Hi, Sandy Rios with you today. Wow. Um, we're going to talk about something that is both distressing and wildly encouraging. Uh, the National Defense Authorization Act comes up every year in Congress. It must be voted. The House must appropriate the funds for all of our military service branches, our equipment, everything we do worldwide. So every year it's a very big deal. Uh, this year, though, the conservatives stepped up to the plate to insert amendments in this bill that will knock your socks off. Some of them, some of the most important passed, well, others that I think are very important didn't pass, and we're going to have a discussion about that today from two members of Congress who both have long, uh, very honorable military records in the fight. So that's the encouragement part. So I hope you'll sit back and relax and enjoy today's version of Sandy Rios 24-7. But first, did you know that there are Americans today who, for whatever reason, don't have heroes to rescue them? Not yet, except for you and me. And that would be babies in their mother's womb. Little babies who are destined to be torn apart or poisoned or dismembered. And that is abortion, of course. That's abortion. Uh, some people are in denial about it, but that's exactly what it is. So when preborn shows moms who are no doubt in despair or in a dilemma when they find out they're pregnant, when preborn shows them an ultrasound, a picture of their little baby, most women change their mind. You know, abortions are not forced on women. Uh, moms are the ones who have to make this choice. And so it's at that point that we need to reach them and help them to understand that this is a human life. And as an American citizen, of course, they do have a right to life and liberty. But, of course, that right comes from our Creator. If you would like to help Preborn do that, you can uh, $28 is all it costs for one ultrasound, just $28. And you can go to Preborn dot com slash sandy that's preborn.com slash sandy and make your most generous donation and remember you can always contact us at 662-821-2040 662-821-2040 and you can write us at sandy at afr.net and an easy way to listen to the show is to go to sandyrios.com SandyRios.com. Okay, as I said before, now sit back and relax and enjoy today's version of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness that we actually believe what we say we believe. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice, not social justice, but God's justice, what's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association, a pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. One in five members of the U.S. military are women, 20%. We're an all-volunteer force. Nobody's forcing you to sign up and go. People volunteer to go. You raise your right hand and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for a few years or even for my life. And it might cost me my life to do it. And when you sign up and you make that contract, you have every right to expect 
that the organization, in this case the military, is going to take care of you, and they're going to take care of your families, and they're going to make sure that you can serve with dignity and respect, no matter who you are, who you love, uh, or uh, or how you worship or don't. And um, and our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, that is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. Uh, I've seen it myself, and it matters because it says we're invested in you because you are being willing to invest in us. You're investing your life, your family's livelihood with us. We owe you that back in return. I had a chance a couple of weeks ago to meet with some military spouses here at the White House. Um, some were active duty members, some were spouses, all were women. And 201, they told me, uh, that abortion laws in this country that are now being passed are absolutely having an effect on their willingness to continue serving in uniform or to encourage or discourage, in this case, their spouses from continuing service. Uh, that's the exorcised voice of John Kirby, the spokesman for the Pentagon. What's he so upset about? He's upset that the Freedom Caucus just added amendments to the National Defense Authorization Act, which funds the military to prevent the military from giving women a month's leave, a paid trip out of state, food, meals, everything to get an abortion. And so John is very upset about that. There's a lot to say about that, but the people responsible for that terrible no-good amendment are the Freedom Caucus, and they really, truly are our last line of defense right now in this crazy, uh, the Washington, D.C., I think it's just crazy, Congressman Scott Perry is the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, and uh, he joins us this morning, and I'm so grateful. Good morning, Congressman. Well, good morning, Sandy, and I listen to that and think about my first days in basic training where you as much as got a sunburn. It would be an Article 15 investigation and violation because you are now seen as government property and you've damaged government property and made yourself undeployable. Un, you know, you're out of the fight if you do things like that. And how much uh, things apparently have changed since uh, since I raised my right hand and volunteered. Um, and and look, uh, I have a lot of uh, differences of opinion than uh, than Admiral Kirby, and I see him generally speaking on almost the wrong side of every single topic militarily that that is discussed. But but that all having been said. Regardless of our own personal political views, we must at some point accept that those who wish to engage in military service and sacrifice in that way are doing so understanding that their value is the ability to deploy and go fight the nation's wars. And, and that the, what the military is about, generally speaking, is the mission, is mission completion. I know that I served with many people that wished they could have done what I was able to do, which was get in the front seat of an aircraft and, and in the cockpit and fly the thing. But you have physical limitations. Maybe you have emotional and mental limitations or limitations that that uh, don't allow you to do the things that you want to do in life. Maybe Maybe you want to join the military, but you have type 1 diabetes. You cannot serve. Maybe you are allergic to bee stings. We can't take care of you in the combat zone, so you can't serve. 
what service in the military is about is what the needs of the of the nation are from a from a defensive military uh, combat standpoint. Everything else is subordinate. Every single thing is subordinate. It doesn't matter if you want to wear your hair long. It doesn't matter if you want to tattoo your face. It doesn't matter if you don't want to get up early in the morning because you're not used to that. Then don't serve. But if you're going to serve, you're making the the choice to subordinate your personal uh, proclivities and your personal wishes and desires to the needs of the defense of the nation. End of statement. Congressman Perry served in the military for 40 years, uh, the rank of lieutenant colonel. He, he retired as a brigadier general, 40 years of military service. He was a pilot. He was a training pilot, commander of Fort Indian Town Gap National Training Site. Uh, we could go on and on about his qualifications, uh, combat in Iraq, uh, lots of missions. So he knows what he's talking about. And I remember, you know, there's an old saying, because I, a lot of my family is uh, our service, former service members, or many of them are dead. My dad served in World War II. But I remember that old poster from uh, the Army. It said, our, our, ours is not to reason why. Ours is just to do or die. Remember that slogan? Yes, that's exactly correct. You, you don't get to question the orders. You, your job is to carry them out. Okay. All right, so, so let's talk. Well, yeah, while, while Admiral Kirby laments the laws that we're uh, passing in Congress, um, and, he, you know, he's welcome to his own personal opinion, he is the spokesperson for the White House and the Pentagon in that capacity and the country in that capacity. And he, so he's telling people all around the world that what's more important in the military, uh, what's more important than your service, what's more important than the defense of the country, are your opinions on your ability to have the taxpayers pay for your personal choices, and in this case, the choice to kill that child. Yeah, and and not be deployable and have all your expenses paid while you're doing it. uh, You know, and I did, um, one of your members observed that even in bereavement, if your mother dies, your brother dies, some, your child dies, uh, they don't pay your costs. I think they take it out of some of one of your funds or out of your pay. Uh, You have to go on your own dime. And so it's just so perverse. He's also claiming that the reason recruiting is down is because of things like this. Um, I want to mention a story. I bet you heard this story. It just came out, as far as I know. An 18-year-old girl who entered into the military, I think she's from Washington State, uh, was, uh, she didn't complain. Uh, she went through an attorney, I think, because she was afraid she would be punished. She's uh, forced to sleep between two individuals who are changing from male to female. Uh, They still have their male genitalia. She's forced to sleep between them. She's forced to shower with them, and she's very traumatized. You guys did something about that in one of these amendments. I would just comment on that, Congressman, and then tell us what you did. Yeah, uh, first of all, the the service member should not be forced uh, to do that. And and with all due respect to, uh, which there isn't any, but if there is any, to uh, Admiral Kirby, the reason people don't want to uh, enlist and aren't volunteering is just because uh, they don't want to have to deal with things like this. They want to come serve their country, and they want to be treated in a meritocracy uh, that recognizes their abilities and their and their enthusiasm to do the work and the mission. That that having been said, the one of the other amendments that we um, that we offered and was essentially a requirement for us to vote for 
the National Defense Authorization Act is, is that your tax dollars will not be spent to, uh, to pay for gender reassignment surgery for people serving in the military. Uh, like I said before, there's a lot of reasons that people can't serve, um, you know, uh, because of uh, health issues that, that can't be resolved on the battlefield. And um, if you, you know, let's remember that gender reassignment surgery is elective surgery. So if I want to get plastic surgery because I don't like the way my face or my body or something looks, I can go pay for that as a member of the military, but I cannot uh, do so and be in an undeployable status that is unacceptable to the command. And in this instance, not only are we paying it, but uh, these individuals that are undergoing it are undeployable for an extended period of time. The mission of the military is not to pay for your reassignment surgery and your elective surgery needs or desires. That's not the purpose of the military, and we have limited amount of funds that we need to safeguard our country, make sure our people are trained, and make sure they're well-equipped. And that is not in keeping with that mission, and that is why that amendment was offered. That's why it passed, and I I suppose that's why the left is angry, because they are focused on other things than safeguarding the, the nation. Well, you know, and I and to to expand that just a little bit more, that there are not there's not just one surgery. There are several surgeries. It's the removal of organs. It's the implant of things that you don't you weren't born with, uh, and it's very comprehensive. It's very delicate. I think these medical proceedings can take can cost a civilian at least three hundred thousand dollars because it's a series of surgeries. I know about this because I have a friend who went through this. It was a pilot, uh, a congressman. I, I don't want to stop to tell his story, but it was. Just uh, so distressing. And so all the hormones also cause people to behave differently. So you've got all that to consider. But the question on that is, um, I'm surprised you didn't get more support than you got. What did what was the vote in terms of the Republican caucus? Uh, I don't remember the exact number, but, you know, we only have a five seat majority. So every single one of these uh, votes that are controversial is very tight. It was probably... Um, anywhere from probably two to two to four votes above the uh, the 218 threshold. So it was these things barely pass. And understand uh, that uh, that we will get no Democrat support on any of these amendments whatsoever. So these have to be passed by almost every single Republican. And quite honestly, I don't mind that. I, I marvel at a Republican that won't vote for such an amendment. And there, there are ones that are out there. Yeah, there sure are. Huh? There's a lot of them. In fact, they're speaking yeah. up. They kind of complain. I think Michael McCall is one of them. And now they're kind of barking because they're, they think it needs to be a bipartisan bill. Uh, and they don't care. It, you know, it, you well, should say something. We appreciate bipartisanship. And at the end of the day, the bill was bipartisan. But Sandy, you know this, and I know this. And and all members of Congress should know this and live by this. Just do the right thing. Just do the right thing. Yes. And if the other side wants to come along and, and and make it bipartisan, God bless that circumstance. But we should not do things in Washington, D.C. to get a bipartisan outcome. We should That should not be our motivation. Our motivation should be to do the right thing. And if those people that uh, that have a problem with it, they can vote otherwise, and the people that are for it can vote for it and their constituents can know where they stand. That's that's what needs to be done. Well, the mystery here, too, that you could explain, 
uh, to listeners. You are a military man. I know you're proud of your service. You certainly should be. You spent, what, 30 years of your life doing that. Uh, And no one should be more concerned about budgeting for the military because the NDAA is all about paying for the expenses. You know, the Congress appropriates the money to spend on the on the armed forces every year. It's important. I think this is an eight hundred eighty billion dollar bill, something like that. Uh, So why why aren't you aren't you concerned that you have money for planes, for combat, for, you know, a fuel? Aren't you concerned about that? Because these kind of amendments could stop this bill from passing. Look, of course I'm concerned. Uh, we're going to pass some kind of bill one one way or another. But understand, Sandy, there's another story here which is untold, which is the fact that we're actually borrowing money to pay our bills. Our country is broke. And at the same time, we have a constitutional requirement to provide for the defense of our nation. And so I see this as uh, as important, critical, and needing of our attention. And uh, but at the same time, I also know there's there's tremendous waste in the military. It is a huge and massive operation. And at the same time, I know the service member on the ground. Remember, I started out as a private at the lowest rank possible in the Army. And those service members are counting on us to try and get it right, not only to make sure that they're equipped and trained appropriately, but that their missions are are fully vetted and that their country is secure in the ability to pay. Uh, for these things and is strong. And so we are concerned that, and I am concerned that, that we don't have the money to pay for this, uh, for this uh, defense of our nation, and, and that it puts us at great peril because we're making bad choices within the authorization of defense, because we pick some, we make some bad choices, and because we're just spending overall more than, uh, than we take in. And that private who's earning a paycheck is also paying taxes. And uh, and so all of it is uh, is worthy of consideration and concern. All right. Uh, there's a lot more to say about that. The Senate has to consider it. They have a different bill there. You know, it'll be very interesting there. I don't even want to talk about that with you in this moment because I just have a few minutes more with you. And I know that today when we're recording this, uh, you are going to be going into another committee um, and listening to this, I think it's one more IRS whistleblower who's coming out. Can you just tell us about what you expect, what we know and what you expect today? Yeah. Well, what we expect today, quite honestly, is just a corroboration of what we've been able to determine in our investigation. And understand our investigation and oversight and judiciary has been stymied by every single organization and entity on the planet, whether it's the Department of Justice, whether it's the banks that refuse or don't want to give us the information regarding the Biden's um, financial activities. But what we know is is that nine Bidens have received payments generally from over this overseas in the tunes of tens of millions of dollars through a series of shell companies. And, and so we're going to verify that uh, with uh, disinterested actors. But I think the which which in itself is a bombshell, because you have to ask yourself what were these millions of dollars coming in for? What was the service that was being provided by the Bidens, including Joe Biden? What was the service that was being provided? And then otherwise, uh, what we're going to learn more about is is that the the agencies, whether it's the IRS or the FBI and the DOJ, obstructed justice where where these IRS whistleblowers wanted to pursue the evidence to the uh, final you know, whatever the final conclusion was, and were stymied by the Department of Justice, the FBI, and uh, and and officials in the IRS. 
And the question would be, why did they do that? Why did they obstruct justice? And is somebody somebody going to be held accountable? If you did these things, Sandy, or someone in your family did these things, I dare say we would not be hearing from you. You would be cooling your heels in a jail cell somewhere. Yeah. Oh, no question about it. And uh, just to be clear, you've had one whistleblower from the IRS has come out. He's identified himself. Am I correct? I think I heard that the one that you're going to be hearing from today is self-described as a gay Democrat? That's that's my understanding as well. Don't want to mischaracterize it uh, unduly, but that is my understanding. Well, that's a that's a bombshell right there. So uh, uh, this is so right. bold, bold of them. You know, we have such heroes now, and I I just am so grateful for that. And I'm with you. You do the right thing, and the chips fall where they may. Uh, I remember it hasn't been that long ago, maybe a year, I don't know, since uh, the FBI came and took your phone. You were with your family in a restaurant, and they took, you're the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. This has gotten so twisted, Congressman, and um, I just appreciate your boldness and your leadership. And I I see the Freedom Caucus stepping up at every turn, and they have to, that has to be because they have a good leader, and it seems to me that good leader is you. So, Congressman Scott Perry, thank you, chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Go forth and do more things to stop this. <laughs> All right. Well, God bless you, Sandy. Thank you very much. And and just uh, if I have any advice for you, it's to be unafraid and continue being heard. The good Lord is in charge. Oh boy, that's the truth. And uh, thanks for that word today. And the same right back to you. And just know that you are supported by millions, prayed for by millions. Uh, the American people are behind you. So thank you, Congressman. And um, uh, have a have a very fruitful day. Thank you. All right. Thank you. God bless you. So long. Thank you. Same to you. Bye-bye. Cutting the woke out of the military. That's why conservatives believe the battlefield may be inside the Pentagon. In my amendment, we banned CRT, uh, critical race theory, out of any military instruction. Republicans want to give wokeness a dishonorable discharge. Where we're focused on building a national defense and a military that is focused on, you know, blowing things up and killing people not on social engineering wrapped in a uniform. Conservatives want to prohibit service members from using the military's health plan to pay for transgender treatments, restrict books with, quote, radical gender ideology in military libraries, and require those who identify as men to register for the draft. If these folks want to be treated like men, they need to act like men. Among the biggest controversies, slashing reimbursements for troops seeking abortions across state lines. It feels like... House Republicans want to live in the 1950s um, with their policies on reproductive care. There's worry the military culture clash could crash the entire defense bill. We were told, oh, we're not going to mess with women traveling out of state. The Pentagon permits service members to travel out of state for abortions. That policy prompted Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville to block promotions for senior military officers. The delays frustrate President Biden's pick to lead the army. It is impacting um, our readiness. Democrats demand action. The onus is on Republican senators to prevail on Senator Tuberville and get him to back off his reckless pursuit. Military hawks say holdups on promotions and the defense bill only helps China and Russia. All right. So, uh, yes, of course. All right. That was Chad Pergram uh, from Fox with his report. And we're uh, talking about, of course, the National Defense Authorization Act, which has to be voted on every single year in order to fund all of the military services, everything around the world. It's $888 billion this year. It's always controversial because the left tries to get in their policies. And now, finally, 
Uh, the people that represent, I think, the American people and what's right and wrong, the Freedom Caucus and other conservatives in the House have done some very bold things. Now, we talked about the removal of uh, providing uh, hormone therapy and uh, gender reassignment surgeries to soldiers. We talked about the whole issue of paying for women to cross state lines, to get abortions, to get like almost 30 days of leave, and it all paid for. Uh, that is one of those things that the Freedom Caucus and other conservative Republican congressmen have nixed, at least for this moment. But there are other things in this bill, and I've asked the uh, Congressman Warren Davidson to join us also this morning. He's from the Ohio 8th District. Is that Cincinnati, Congressman? Yeah, just outside, uh, right up to the city limits, uh, over to the Indiana border and about a third of the way up the state. Okay, cool. Uh, we, you, Cincinnati has the best Oktoberfest. <laughs> you guys have the great. Uh, we love Ohio. Well, I, you know, as a matter of fact, I just got through reading a David McCullough book about the settling of the Northwest Territory, and Ohio was central to all of it. I learned so much about Ohio. What a great, rich history. So, um, anyway, thank you for joining me this morning. I know you have a lot on your plate. So, I want to give your bio, though. I don't often do this because we just don't because of the time factor. But I'm, I love your bio, so I'm going to give it. Uh, you are, of course, a member of two co- very important committees: the Financial Services and the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Currently, but before you uh, came to Congress, uh, you were uh, in the Army. Uh, you served. Uh, you went to the uh, U.S. Military Academy. You served in Berlin, Germany, which really caught my eye because I, uh, my listeners know that I lived in Berlin and uh, that part of my life really marked me. I used to travel through Checkpoint Charlie to get to the East Berlin. But um, you went from there to West Point Military Academy. You graduated near the top of your class in American history and mechanical engineering. I would love to just talk to you, Congressman, at some point. Uh, you led the Old Guard 75th Ranger Regiment, which means that you are an Army Ranger and the famed 101st Airborne Division. Uh, then you went into business and uh, manufacturing and uh, got your master in business from the University of Notre Dame. You have great background, uh, and you are, you know, one of those persons that should be in Congress. I think some people are ill-equipped, but certainly, sir, you are equipped. So uh, thank you for doing that, and thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, thanks. It's an honor to join you. And, you know, God bless America. It says a lot about our awesome country. You know, I graduated high school and enlisted in the Army, and a lot of good things happened. And, you know, that wouldn't be possible very many places in the world. Uh, and it is thankfully possible in our country. Yes, and that's what we're fighting to re- to retain. It is our home. It's the future of our children. And so we're fighting this battle together. All right. You had certain parts of these amendments that you were very involved in. The um, and I'm talking about them now. The proposed amendments to the National Defense Authorization Act that just passed out of the House just a few days ago, FISA reform. I don't understand honestly how Congress uh, how that applies to the NDAA. I'm sorry. So explain it. Why? What were you trying to do? And what happened? Yeah. So uh, the challenge has been the Fourth Amendment is one of the most abridged. Uh, rights that Americans have, and the Fourth Amendment is supposed to protect it, uh, but we found it that it's been pretty abused. And one of the ways that the federal government has abused it is, uh, you know, with the Patriot Act, uh, FISA hasn't worked the way that people 
said it would. It has had many of the failures that people cautioned that it would have. And so we need to reform that. But one of the other big loopholes is really um, the government buys data that they would otherwise have to get warrants or subpoenas for, including the Department of Defense. Like, why is the Department of Defense buying, you know, U.S. citizen data? It's not to do a better job on recruiting. Uh, As it turns out, sometimes it's just because you have insecure generals and they're mad because somebody said something mean about them. And they want to, you know, shape the information. And they shouldn't be doing that. So the precursor, if you follow, like, the Twitter files, uh, Matt Taibbi and the crime scene that Elon Musk bought over there at Twitter, um, the precursor to the canceling of speech was the discovery of who was speaking. And uh, so the privacy violation is the first thing. So uh, with the Defense Authorization Act, we at least wanted to cut off the Department of Defense uh, from uh, circumventing the Fourth Amendment by buying up uh, U.S. citizen data. And then today in Judiciary Committee, we are uh, working through, I'm, I'm uh, working on a bill that the Judiciary Committee is going to mark up today that will stop all of the federal government uh, from circumventing the Fourth Amendment and buying data. So it says, yeah, use the FISA system, get a warrant if it's an American citizen. Uh, and, you know, there, there are a handful of ways to do that, uh, but one of them can't be that you keep buying up American citizens' data and avoiding the, the warrant process because that's what provides the oversight and accountability. Yeah, oh, that's that's wonderful. I didn't actually even know about this provision in the NDAA that you guys passed, this amendment. Didn't know about that. And, of course, FISA is a – I don't, won't take a rabbit trail, but it's so corrupt – my husband's a former FBI agent. He used to present to the FISA court right after 9-11 when it actually was a good court. Uh, so it's a, it's very sad for us to watch. And it's interesting that you guys are passing, working on Judiciary Committee on a bill that did kind of what the Supreme Court did. Well, at least they're doing their part, too. They just ordered the White House not to be have the freedom to communicate with social media companies and instruct them to censor people, which is what they've been doing. So this is a great effort. And did that pass? Did that amendment pass? That did pass. It passed by a voice vote. Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, partially because people didn't want a recorded vote on it. There are some people that are opposed to it, but they weren't so opposed they wanted to call for a vote. So the, the key is to make sure that we get a, com- a companion uh, through the Senate process on their Defense Authorization Act. And then, you know, even after that, sometimes they go to conference committee and things somehow fall out. We just have to make sure it doesn't fall out. Uh, and, and I think the bigger thing, even if, uh, you know, because the, the broader amendment or the broader language is in the bill that we are moving through judiciary today, that would apply to the whole government, including Department of Defense. So if we get that bill across the finish line in the House and the Senate, uh, we could cut off this for the entire federal government. Uh, uh, to be honest, though, uh, it, it, is, uh, it is not certain that that path will work, but it is bipartisan. So we've got a bill um, dealing with privacy that is that has got uh, I'm the sponsor for it in the House. Andy Biggs, Thomas Massey, Ken Buck are the Republicans, but on the on the far left uh, you've got Zoe Lofgren, uh, Jerry Nadler, and uh, Pramila <laughs> Jayapal, and Sarah oh my Carter, gosh. or Sarah not Sarah Carter, Sarah Jacobs, and and so we've got this conservative progressive coalition that is defending civil liberties here. Some people call this kind of a horseshoe effect where the, uh, the left and right kind of come together uh, to, to, uh, 
to agree on some reforms. And, you know, they're, they're saying, yeah, uh, don't buy the data and circumvent the Fourth Amendment. And I think that's an important uh, consensus. Hopefully it's big enough of a consensus that we can carry it across the finish line in the House and the Senate. I think it's pretty remarkable. And so congratulations on getting that coalition. And it's so important to all of us. All right, there are two other big subjects that can't possibly dis- be discussed in a short time, but we're going to try. Uh, I, uh, during the COVID mandate period, uh, uh, Congressman, I got so many calls. I have a lot, so much military listening to the show. And uh, the distress among soldiers and airmen and all, they're having to take that shot, uh, the agonizing, the refusal, the loss of jobs. Uh, the, it was a horrendous. And people, I was trying to help. And honestly, I couldn't get hardly anyone in Congress or in the Senate to fight to stop that. So tell us, in this, on these amendments, what did you guys do to address that issue? Well, the, the, the uh, bill that I, uh, the amendment I got passed uh, requires a study of the health effects. And it's important because uh, I want to demonstrate that the risk assessment up front that said young, fit, healthy people need the vaccine at all was flawed, even if the vaccine worked the way that they said it worked, which it hasn't. And so all the ways that it hasn't hopefully are surfaced in this population. Um, and, you know, military people uh, are, well, a, not only young and fit and healthy, for the most part, um, they're in regular um, health maintenance programs. So you have to get routine checkups. You have to pass physicals. Uh, you have to be pre-deployment checks. So th- there are a lot of studies done in the military on the health of uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, whatnot. And this would say, look, let's pay attention and document the health effects related to COVID. I think that's important. The other thing that uh, we're working on is is restoring them. Now, there were more aggressive amendments that uh, put them back on active duty and uh, gave them back pay and everything. Those didn't become part of the NDAA, but they they did make them eligible to come back in. And if you just remember, uh, you know, as Republicans were coming into the majority uh, at the end of the 2022 election cycle, we got a, a reform that turned off the, uh, the the vaccine mandate in the first place for the military. Um, so it was not a good idea to implement it. It was not a good idea to kick some of these folks out uh, over the mandate. And uh, it is a great idea as we're confronting recruiting challenges and retention challenges in the military to say, hey, um, we can restore some of these people back into their positions. I mean, we lost, you know, I think something like 10 percent of the Navy SEALs. I mean, it's not easy to create a Navy SEAL. Why would we want to get rid of these people? Oh, uh, it's a, And it, it, it's that, just, that was one of the biggest ones. I'm so grateful. I, and, you know, as I understand it, you guys have the best records. I remember reading uh, reports, military reports, uh, for there are already records existing that you guys can use to to uh, uh, conduct this study. I'm that's a wonderful thing. All right. So the second thing, big topic, is Ukraine, and I know that you there's a. I'm guessing there's di- total disagreement in the House over that. I think most of us. I'll just briefly say that I've not weighed in. I, I have real cautions about all the money we're spending in Ukraine and focusing. I, and also knowing that the Biden family has enriched themselves through money from Ukraine. So how does one support that? And yet most of, I think, are Republicans 
uh, in the House and Senate do report do support uh, supporting Ukraine. I don't. Uh, so what's in this these amendments about Ukraine? Yeah, so the first bill that passed uh, only had 10 uh, members uh, opposed to the funding. We, we were all Republicans. I was one of those 10. And my objection has been consistent is, tell me the mission, and I will uh, be able to tell you whether I support it or not. And they say, well, we're going to help Ukraine. And, I mean, you couldn't make E5 with that as a mission statement, you know, so the, you can make Buck Sargent uh, with a mission statement like that. You have to put something more specific. And so my amendment that I offered in this uh, bill would have required the administration to supply the mission. Now, you could do it in a classified setting. Here's the strategy. This is what we're trying to do. Here's how we're trying to do it. And it seems like that's the question up front. Um, that used to be, you know, uh, the lesson learned from Vietnam is we don't get committed into a war until we know what we're trying to accomplish and we know how we're going to get out of it. And, you know, we lost our way on that, obviously, in the war on terror, uh, very clearly uh, lost sight of that in Afghanistan and went straight away into a proxy war in Ukraine. Uh, so uh, I say, well, you want another $300 million on top of the $113 billion that you've already put in. This bill has $300 million for the Department of Defense to be able to help Ukraine. And I just said, hey, um, you can have that money but not until you give us your mission. And you can, again, do it in a classified setting. But uh, So it wasn't even a cut to the money. Uh, people argued against it as if it was. But it's like, well, you should be able to provide a strategy if you want to go. And it's a very different set of resources. I mean, there are some people pushing for regime change in Russia. Well, <laughs> uh, unless you tell me otherwise, I assume that's what you want the money for. So I'm against that. Um, I don't think that's our war to fight. Uh, I don't think Putin's a good guy. It, it was unjust that he attacked Ukraine. So you say, well, surely you support kicking Russians out of Ukraine. Well, I, I, I hope that the Ukrainians kick the Russians out of Ukraine. I don't think America should fight that war. And, uh, and then are we able to give them enough to help them succeed in it? And I don't think we are, um, personally, but uh, I am glad they're fighting it. But the, the, there's a world of difference between a mission that says kick the Russians out of Ukraine uh, and kick the Russians out of Ukraine, including Crimea, which is, you know, debated between Ukraine and R Russia for a long time. Is it really Russia? Is it Ukraine? You, you know, Russia has been occupying it since 2014. So um, and then I think really our interest is to make sure it doesn't spread to NATO. Uh, but it's not clear any of those missions. They all take different resources, and uh, and it only got 129 votes. They were all Republicans. No Democrat voted for it. And uh, so, you know, the Biden administration doesn't want to provide a plan. They don't want to be held accountable. And clearly Congress doesn't want to provide that accountability either, uh, which is really disappointing. So it didn't pass. No, only 129 oh. votes, you know, 301 against it. You know what? So it wasn't even close. It must drive you insane um, uh, that there's so little knowledge, and I mean knowledge, background, understanding of history, and since you are a historian and a military man who learned military history, uh, it's very frustrating to see what... Uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I was at a, uh, in D.C. at a women's thing, and a former uh, head of the Library of Congress spoke, and she was delightful. And she explained that in her particular office, her job was to provide information and background to congressmen or senators who were doing speeches, traveling about, or needed to know something in the order to write a, write a bill correctly, etc. 
So the question was asked of her, what was the most, what was the funniest or the most unusual question you ever got from a congressman? And she said, uh, a congress, yeah, I can't name, name names, I can't. Uh, but the congressperson asked their office, asked this librarian of the Congress, uh, what uh, did Abraham Lincoln do when he left the White House? Hmm. This this is just a few yeah. years. What did Abraham yeah. Lincoln do when yeah. he left the White House? Well, you're he was dealing- on a he was on this long train ride around the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you're saying, uh, you're, you're, you're yeah, you're, just the idea that that, uh, that yeah, that would be a a pretty big uh, void in history to not know that he was assassinated. So, well, uh, so wow. So you're you're calling. Yeah, your colleagues are listening to narrative that they're picking up from various things and they have no knowledge. And so I, I'm so second to that, and I know I need to let you go. Uh, do your colleagues listen to you, Anna Scott Perry, who have so much experience in the military when it comes to Ukraine? Well, they haven't so far. I mean, and, and frankly, they're not listening to the to the voters. I mean, I think this war is something that, uh, you know, Americans are happy that, uh, I mean, who wasn't inspired when Vladimir Zelensky said, I don't need a ride, I need, I need ammunition. And I think he rallied people around the world to support his cause. He inspired his countrymen to fight this war. And, you know, people want to be supportive. But, you know, we kind of lost our heads and did the ready, fire, aim instead of ready, aim, fire. It's like, yeah, what is exactly we're trying to accomplish? And, you know, Senator Mark Warner says, well, we're grinding down the Russian army and we're not even having to fight. We're just cutting checks. Ukraine's doing that. Well, look, uh, that, that is not a just way to wage this war. You're, you're getting a bunch of people killed um, without actually changing the outcome. So we're not supplying the kind of resources that is likely to change the outcome. And in fact, the Biden administration has taken efforts to ensure that, the, that Zelensky and Ukraine don't reach a negotiated settlement. And I, I really don't think that we can supply enough money uh, to let Ukraine, uh, you know, evict Russia out of their country. Uh, the question is, are we going to join the fight to do that? And there are people that think we should. And, you know, I'm, I'm just not one of those people. Um, but we should actually have that honest debate and vote because that's Congress's job is to authorize combat. And the fear is, is that the Biden administration is building enough momentum to try to get us drawn into this war. And, and, and I think we should be cautious about that, especially given some, given some of the, the problems with the Biden administration's approach to, you know, well, virtually everything. But um, <laughs> we, we should not sleepwalk into World War III. It would be dumb and completely avoidable. It would be a complete disaster to get into yeah. a protracted combat with, with Russia. And the beneficiaries of that, look, uh, as long as there's war in Ukraine – uh, Ukraine isn't going to be part of NATO or the European Union. As long as there's war in Ukraine, China is tickled to death. I mean, we're continuing to focus on things that aren't China. And even the China policies overwhelmingly focused on Taiwan. Meanwhile, China's uh, rolling up uh, the Western Hemisphere. They're all over Central and South America. Yes. They're building a surveillance base in Cuba. And we're not paying attention to our own backyard. We're paying attention to all over the world. And I think that's what really has a, a lot of uh, my voters uh, upset is we couldn't get $5 billion to secure America's border, and we're given $113 billion to secure Ukraine's borders. They're pretty ticked about it. Now, we need to do both, but the reality is we're borrowing money to even defend our own country at this point. We're borrowing more money than we're spending on defense. And then, meanwhile, you have countries that are part of NATO who aren't even meeting their treaty obligation of 2%. Countries like Germany 
uh, who mm-hmm. aren't funding, fully funding their defense. And Germany has almost no debt, so they're borrowing no money to do this. Uh, and, and they're at war. If they won't do it now, when will they do it? So Chip Roy and I had an amendment that was a sense of Congress. It didn't cut anything. It just said it's a sense of Congress that NATO members should honor the 2014 pledge to spend 2% of their GDP on defense. And it didn't pass. It didn't did pass? pass? Did not pass. Oh, my. Oh, now, the, why? All right. I don't get that, except that. We have a uh, combination of ignorance, and also we have some people who don't love this country. And so uh, that's why it didn't pass, I'm guessing. Uh, Congressman, uh, that's why we need you. So uh, thank you, and it's been wonderful to have this interaction. I hope we can talk again. And we're going to be watching this because now it's in the Senate. Um, Maybe by the time people hear this, it'll actually have been voted on in the Senate. I don't know, but we'll, we'll follow up on that. Uh, But again, Congressman Warren Davidson from the 8th uh, District in Cincinnati is the chairman of the Liberty Caucus. He's part of the Freedom Caucus and a lot of other very important things. So, Congressman, thank you for your courage now, uh, you know, exercised in Congress as opposed on the battlefield. So thank you for that. And uh, we wish you all the best today as you go forward and fight another battle today. Thank you. Yep. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you covering it. God bless you and your listeners. Yeah, thank you. Same back to you. Thank you, Congressman. You just met two of the greatest heroes in our Congress right now. Isn't it interesting? They're bringing their military background and expertise and also courage uh, to fighting the battles uh, in Congress. And that comforts me. I, I realize that most congressmen haven't ever you know, worn a uniform. It, it's that they're a dying breed. But these are our warriors, and now they're in Congress. And I'm very proud of them, and I hope that you feel the same way. We need to pray for them. Because these particular two are also Christians, and um, that seems to be the case for a lot of the new members of Congress, and that they have a fire in their belly that comes from something more than politics. So um, I'm really grateful to have had that time with them. And, you know, we talked about, John Kirby said in the opening clip uh, that he was all concerned that recruitment is down because uh, abortions will, the, the Freedom Caucus and people like Warren Davidson and Scott Perry don't want the military to pay for abortions for girls to travel, girls meaning soldiers, girls that serve in the military when they get pregnant to be sent across state lines and get free leave for almost a month and all their expenses are paid. Now that the Freedom Caucus wants to take that away through an amendment, that's just horrible to John Kirby, and that's the reason why recruitment is down 20%. I'd like to talk about something else, though. Uh, The truth is that... The twisted thought about that is that somehow you can recruit a young woman and you cannot give her any restrictions or counsel on how to conduct herself physically. She has no responsibility at all uh, to uh, stop, for, to not get pregnant. And that can be done by abstinence, and that's always the way I think God, I don't think, I know that's the way God would have all young women approach it. But there are also birth control things for people who don't believe in God or don't conduct themselves as a Christian, there are ways to stop that. So I would think that they might be responsible for that, wouldn't you? And then I think about the fact that they're trained on weapons and uh, things that hurt other people. So are they to be as irresponsible with those things as they are with their own bodies? And if so, if they accidentally kill someone with their gun because they are careless people, uh, will the military then pay for their defense and all of that? I know that's kind of a wild comparison, but really... Uh, that's how incongruous 
the notion that we, our tax dollars and girls in the military should be covered if they don't take care of themselves. But I know some of you listening are, have found yourself in that position. I fully understand. I'm a woman. Why? It's distressing. You've just, if you've just joined the Army and you find out you're pregnant because you slept with a soldier or someone else, a townie, uh, that's distressing. But it's more distressing later to take the life of your baby. It affects not only, of course, it terminates the life of the baby, but it also can ruin your life and haunt you for the rest of your days. That's why Preborn tries to help you in this stage. You just found out you're pregnant, and so they provide ultrasounds, and that means that you can see. You can actually see that baby in your womb. And generally speaking, when you see that baby in your womb, girls do not or women do not choose abortion because they understand it's a beating heart. It's a life. And adjustments can be made. There is help uh, that can, a preborn actually helps girls who are in crisis pregnancy with other things, uh, provision uh, for the baby and help along the way as you're pregnant. So you're not left on your own. It's a hard decision. Yeah, it takes courage. But so does serving in the military, by the way. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage if you're going to do it right. So I'd say, you know, step up to the plate. All of you girls who are finding yourselves in this, make the hard decisions. You will never, ever be sorry. If you want to help us provide that ultrasound, you can go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. I want to remind you, you can call us anytime at 662-821-2040 and leave us a message uh, that we'd love to use on the air if you're if you're polite and watch your language. 662-821-2040, or you can go to sandy at afr.net and actually peck out an email, and we'd love to, of course, hear what you have to say, but also may use that on the air as well. Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast and perhaps you're, you don't exactly know how to do it, you don't know how to tell your friends how to do it, just tell them to go to sandyrios.com. Just sandyrios.com, and they can you can listen there so easily. So uh, that's something to share with your friends. Well, um, in the next segment, my husband joins us for uh, just some comments on what we just heard. So stay tuned on Sandy Rios 24-7. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Back in Washington, there was a win for members of the hardline House Freedom Caucus after they pressured Speaker McCarthy to add controversial amendments to the National Defense Authorization Act that gets mentioned a lot tonight. McCarthy again proved he can pass big bills with close margins and so far keep rebellion at bay. Radical programs that are forced our troops at the expense of a readiness are now eliminated. The bill includes bans on racial diversity programs at the Pentagon and the military paying for gender-affirming care or to cover travel for any service member seeking an abortion. Most House Democrats are furious. MAGA Republicans have hijacked a bipartisan bill that is essential to our national security in order to jam their extreme right-wing ideology down the throats of the American people. The Senate version will be very different. What McCarthy may have gained with the right could jeopardize the defense bill's ultimate passage. All right, that's a PBS report on what we've been talking about. Uh, the rebellion, uh, the rebellion. McCarthy has a rebellion. I guarantee you McCarthy didn't do anything to pass these amendments. 
he had to have his arm twisted like a big time. When they say uh, something about race in this, they're talking about an amendment they tried to pass. I don't think it passed to stop teaching diversity, equity, and inclusion in the military academies. Uh, that's, uh, that is Marxism. It's straight-up Marxism. Uh, so this is where we are. Um, I've asked Bruce to join me just because, um, because that was pretty interesting, right, honey? It certainly is. Um, is it not obvious to every person on the planet that the reason you have people in the military is so they can be deployed to do the mission of the military, which is to defend the country. And uh, when you have someone that, as soon as they come in, you know, they get through basic training. You know, this is a big grift. Uh, A lot of these communities are very tight. And the word gets out that, hey, you want to have a trans surgery that's paid for? Go in the military. You know, you do a couple months of basic training, and then you come out and say, hey, you know what? I, I'm a man. I mean, I'm a woman. I want to transition. And according to John Kirby, if we're going to be uh, humane, we have to give them this surgery. And then they have a year of recovery. And by that time, their enlistment is starting to uh, end, and they're undeployable. And it's, you know, it's like having a car in the garage that won't run. It still takes up space in the garage, but it's useless. The other part that, as I understand it, since I'm not military, I don't quite, but it, it, these guys have a place. Like they're in a battalion. They're in a group. They have a mission. Everybody has a job in the battalions. And when they can't deploy, there's no one to replace them. There's no radio operator that can, re- there's no, whatever their special task is, the guy can handles the equipment. And so it really is a gut punch if there is war and there's some deployment if they can't deploy. Yes, this is not just an individual effect when someone goes through this transition surgery. Just what you said, it affects the entire combat readiness of a large group of people. And to me, it's a selfish thing. If you want to be a trans person, go and be a trans person, but don't do it in the military because it affects not only you, it affects your fellow uh, military people, and it affects the uh, security of the country. Absolutely. All right. Well, I hope you're encouraged by listening to those uh, two hero congressmen. They're heroes to me. Uh, They're in there fighting now uh, as they fought on the battlefield. And, um, you know, it just takes one person to really turn things around. And we've got more than one person. So you should be encouraged. And by the way, on the NDAA, uh, the Senate has to deliberate. By the time you hear this, they probably will have deliberated. But at this point, these are the amendments that the House has offered. And they're good. They're so good. We want to thank you for listening to Sandy Rios 24-7.